0: I messed up. So, I told her, you got a mirror, you can see what you look like in those jeans. So, anyway, I don't know what to do. You just talk to her. And tell her what? You tell her how you feel. I did. I told her, I feel like you look like your mother. Okay. No, you you need to use your words. You know, romantic words. Oh. Wait. What? Okay. Um. Honey. Uh, you you take your wife by her hands and you just pour into her. Wait. 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 Am I holding her hands or am I pouring something? I, I can't do both. What? No. Todd. You are going to pour words into your wife. You look her in the eyes, dead set, and you just let go. Because that's what she does to you, Todd. She makes you let go. And you say to her, you mean everything to me. And I would let go of everything if it means that I just get to hold you for the rest of my life. That's what you do. What are you doing? I'm calling my wife, and you are going to tell me some pretty words to say to her. We are not doing this. Hey, babe. No, 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 don't hang up. Don't hang up. Um I was an idiot, and I know you said some things, too. You shouldn't have... You don't say that. That's what I meant. I meant I have some things to say to you right now. No. While we're on the phone. Stop it. Just listen. She said I have two minutes. What do I say? What do I say? I'm sorry. For what? Don't you tell her that. I'm sorry. Babe? She's still there. I can hear her breathing. Uh, Tell her I love you and you mean everything to me. And I am a fool because I don't tell you that more often. Um, I'm a fool for loving you. And I should say that stuff more often. You are the only reason I am half the man I am. Your love and constant support is my daily breath. I'm half the man I am because of you. And your love is a constraint. Constant support. No, I'm sorry. No, your love is constantly on my breath. Daily. Daily. You are the greatest blessing God has ever given me, and you are perfect for me. Babe, you're the you're the best thing God ever did for me. You're perfect <sighs> for me. You're perfect. You're you're not perfect. Hey, 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 what, what, what are you doing? Just tell me what to say. Sunsets are more beautiful when you are on the horizon. Um, you're more beautiful at. Sunset on the horizon. It totally worked. Babe, I'm gone in 60 seconds. What a moron. You were great. I know, right? The words you said, I, I heard... I had no idea. Seriously? You had no idea that some women fall for that stuff? (laughs) I'm just glad you're not that gullible. By the way, what's for dinner? I've messed up. (laughs) Use your words, my friend. Use those words. Well, I sincerely hope we can laugh at that because it's so far-fetched that there's no way any of us would ever say anything as silly or as foolish as that, right? Half is good. Half is good. We'll take it. Last week, we set the stage for us to talk about godly marriages. We're have been walking. we going to be walking through marriage for the next couple of weeks, and we called it This Ain't a Love Song, because a marriage is a lot greater and deeper and more meaningful than a love song. We, we talk about godly marriages because these are the types of marriages... We should be pursuing. Uh, We let God define marriage because God's definition of marriage is that marriage should be the most accurate and visible representation of the gospel uh, that we could live out within the context of husband and wife. But I want to remind you guys that everything we talk about in the context of marriage should always start off in the context of our relationship with God, okay? Like everything we talk about, it starts in our relationship with God because as we talked about last week in Ephesians 5, how it points us to that what we're talking about with marriage is a model, it's a representation of our relationship with God the Father. So, uh, we need to understand that as we dive into communication today in our marriages, that it starts with our communication with God the Father. So before you start your, get your elbows ready and start pinching your spouse, which I hope you don't do, I want to ask you to think about the bigger picture here. In the context of your relationship with God, stop thinking about your spouse for a little bit. But in the context of communication and in the relation to your context and relationship with God, the Father, how is your communication with God? Don't answer out loud, but I hope you're willing to evaluate yourselves healthfully. Because if our marriages are supposed to reflect the relationship we have between us and God, then how many similarities do they share? If we claim to love God, then don't we want to hear from God as well as share things with God? If we acknowledge that Jesus saved me, the Savior of my soul shouldn't we have a desire to communicate with him? For example, if there was somebody in this room that at some point in time in your life literally saved your life, would you have a desire to communicate with them? Every time you saw them, would you acknowledge them or you'd be like, don't talk to them, honey. They just saved my life that one time and let's keep going. And it's not out of obligation. It's a privilege to recognize what they did for you, right? We talk about marriage, we, we will be talking about and unpacking marriage in the context of our communication with our marriage, but I'm just going to be honest with you, if marriage is supposed to reflect the gospel, if the marriage is supposed to reflect the goodness of God in our lives because of Jesus Christ, but yet we choose not to communicate with God the Father, and how are we ever going to benefit in our communication with our spouse? Church, yes, we're walking through a marriage series. But there's something greater on the table here than just our spouse. It's our relationship with God the Father. Communication is pivotal in any relationship. As as humans, as beings, we have a desire to know and to be known. We have a desire to, to know somebody, to know them better and to know them deeper, to know them more wholly. With a W, not H-O-L-Y. But we also have a desire to be known by them, to be loved by them, to be cared for, to be received, to be accepted. This is part of our desire for relationships. And these things occur through communication. So this is why we have the gospel. If you remember, God tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. In that verse alone, in Romans, in that verse alone, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. The greatest form of communication is not just what you say to somebody, but what you show to somebody, how you model that, how you provide the example for that. And in God's Word it tells us, but God demonstrates His love for us in this. He communicates His love to us in the greatest way possible by showing us exactly how He feels about us through the cross of Christ and the empty tomb. This is the Gospel. This is what God desires for us to know Him as a way of creating a, a relationship with God the Father through the Gospel. So that you may know God's infinite and eternal love for you but not just because you're an object of his love no longer an object of his wrath but what he has done to make you that way this is the ultimate form of communication to know and be known god gave us jesus so that we may know god and be known by god that's why in his form of communication to us that he demonstrates his love for us in this that while yet we were still sinners christ died for us our communication in response to that lines up with the passage it says for whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved anytime there's communication it's always better when there's a response right yeah some of y'all thought about that the rest of y'all still don't know what i'm talking about the best form of communication often happens when there's a response right now we're catching on see how i demonstrated what we're trying never mind Moving on. But understand this, when it comes to the gospel, there is a response demanded. And too many times, even in the church world, well, I've heard it this many times or I grew up in church, person, listen to me. You do not have a relationship with God if you have never responded to the invitation of grace and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Please don't miss that. Because we can all point back to well, when I was baptized, but just like Dusty demonstrated for us today, it's a relationship with Jesus that transforms lives, not water in a tub. So understand that the greatest form of communication has already been given in the form of how God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for the punishment for my sin, for your sin, and then raised again three days later, conquering death and sin so that we might have fullness in life in Christ and fellowship with God the Father. This is the greatest form of communication. But if we put communication in the context of marriage, I take all of you and invite you all to go back to the days of dating. Courtship. What do you call it? All right, y'all sound like y'all had an exciting <laughs> dating relationship. Context of marriage. So it was dating, raise your hand if you were dating back in the day all right raise your hand if you were courting were you courting did you ever courting no courting really all right husbands court your wives this week it's radically different apparently give it a shot courting but when we were in the context of dating do you remember that remember when you were dating your wife you were communicating like crazy you were If you're honest with you, you remember you were communicating like crazy, man. you couldn't wait to talk to them on the phone. Maybe it was a party line. (laughs) Raise your hand if you dated on the party line. Come on, be honest. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe you were dating on FaceTime. Raise your hand if you dated on FaceTime. There you go. All right, see? Here's the thing, man. Dating happens all across different areas, but it all comes down to that. We were loved communicating. We would talk on the phone. We would talk over dinner. We would want to hang out all the time. We exchanged cards. We wrote love notes or texts or emails or Facebook messaging or whatever era of dating you were in. We were all about communication we loved to communicate we found it ways to communicate any way possible for some of you if carrier pigeons were still around you were in the market you loved communicating and we tried to be the most extravagant in how we communicated personal story uh so i was living in new orleans my wife was living in georgia and i couldn't wait to communicate with her and I was always looking for like new and clever ways to communicate with her. So I went to the store one day and bought like this 7 billion piece puzzle, right? It wasn't literally 7 billion pieces for our concrete thinkers here. But it was a big puzzle. It was a lot of little pieces. And uh, in our apartment, I laid this puzzle out on our on our table. And as our friends came over, I made them work on this puzzle. It was like con- it was like, hey, if you're going to be here, that this is your payment for being in my apartment. Work on the puzzle do it no tv work you know it was it was one of those things so after like seven years we got this puzzle put together okay and i say we because it was like half of new orleans baptist theological seminary helped me at some point in time we flipped the puzzle over to the blank side gentlemen you need to be writing this down i got a sharpie and i wrote my wife a love letter yeah i know and then i broke the puzzle piece all back up and i put it all in the box and i shook it up real good I wrapped it up and I mailed it to her. And I'm like, you're going to like what I'm sending you in the mail. So she gets the mail. She calls me. She's like, I got your mail. I'm like, open it. She's like, it's a puzzle. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's a puzzle. And she opens it up and figures out there's like pieces of words on the back of all these puzzle pieces. It's like, yes, you put the puzzle together and then you can see the message. And my wife goes, oh, and then like a week later, when like the border had just gotten finished, it wasn't exactly a great idea, but it was a clever form of communication. We're always looking for communication. We love to communicate because we were so in love and we had to tell him all the time, honey, I love you. I just can't wait to be with you. I miss you. I want to see you. You know it's true. He's sitting there rolling your eyes. You know it's true. When you were dating, you were all about it. Couldn't wait to hear from him. Couldn't wait to talk to him. If we hit the pause button on a silly story, is that indicative of your relationship with God the Father? because that convicts me. I'm not saying this to try to like drop a mic moment. I'm just saying this is exactly what God tells us. First Thessalonians 5:17 is there's the second shortest verse in scripture. It says pray continually. Pray continually. In other words what, what Paul was writing there he was saying like hey keep the lines of communication with God open at all times. That you're constantly in communication with the Father, but more importantly, you're constantly in communication hearing from the Father. We're constantly telling Him who we are, who He is to us, what's going on in our lives. We're constantly telling Him, but we're constantly hearing from Him. Pray continually. Because when we were in that context of being in love, we just wanted to always be talking to Him and hearing from Him. That's exactly what it should look like in our relationship with God. I'm telling you, if we are here today just to figure out how to ways to make our marriage better, or if we're here today just to figure out how to fix our marriage, but we're denying the bigger picture here of, of how we're called to be in healthy communication with God, then how we're called to practice that in the context of our marriages, we're missing it. We're missing it if we're just focusing on our spouse. We have to remember the communication we have, the availability we have with God. So when we're dating, we're all about communication. We're all about hearing from them and talking to them. And And then the greatest thing happens to boost our communication. We get married. And then everything is great. Because now this person is living with us. And we don't have to write as many letters. And we don't have to make as many late night phone calls. And we don't have to text all the time. And we don't have to do all this stuff. Because they're right there. And the communication within marriages just is the untamed river that flows unabashed. And just drenches everything and saturates us in healthy communication in our marriages. Right? I got one amen. Everyone else groaned. Like up here, you literally hear a Whoa. Amen. That's- You're laughing because at some point in time that communication river started drying up a little bit. When did that happen? When did our levels of communication, when did our desires of communication become a little less exciting? And when was it that, that, that our day, the bright spots of our day, were starting being filled up with things other than communicating with our spouses? And this is not me browbeating you or pointing fingers like, why don't you do it? I'm just saying, when did it happen? When did we grow content with our marriage level of communication being as needed or as little as possible? When did that happen? When did our communication in our marriage turn into, we communicate when something's gone wrong. We communicate when one of the other of us needs something. We communicate when someone is sick and we tell the other one what they need to do. When do we communicate when we don't have something we need or want and we ask the other one to help us? When do we When do we start doing that? I, I got an idea how we can answer that. Probably at the same time that that relationship with God started having the same level of communication when we only talked to him when we needed something. Or we only would talk to him when someone was sick. We talked to him when something was broken and we need him to fix it or maybe we just wanted to talk to him because we want something that we haven't been obedient to strive for. Maybe the communication in our marriages really did start reflecting our communication with God as needed, as little as possible. Why do we communicate with each other this way? Why do we communicate with God this way? Or maybe the question, why do we not communicate with God? Communication defined is the sending and receiving of a message. That's both talking and listening. And today we've got so much going on that we're going to have to revisit later the idea of listening in our marriage. But I promise you we will. But we're just going to talk about why do we communicate. Now we've already answered that question halfway. One of the reasons we communicate is to know someone. To know someone, to know and be known by someone, because we like mattering to people. But the other reason we communicate with people is to understand someone. We communicate to know someone, and we communicate to understand someone. And when we talk about understanding, understanding is based on information, right? Remember earlier when I said it makes it better to communicate when people... Just to know if we already moved on... understanding is based on information information comes with communication so if we stop communicating we stop learning we stop learning we stop growing maybe these things are kind of linked maybe when we talk about why we communicate to know someone to understand somebody we just need to ask a few questions do you know everything there is to know about your spouse You think you do. How many of you have been married longer than 50 years? Raise your hand if you've been married 50 years or more. Look at this. This is amazing. This is a great legacy of marriage. Yeah. Absolutely. People who have been married 50 years or longer, do you know everything there is to know about your spouse? No. Well, somebody said yes. (laughs) He says no, she says yes. Hmm. After over 50 years of marriage, most of us, still there are things left to be figured out. Let me ask you a question. If you've been married 50 years or longer, do you completely understand everything about your spouse? No. Absolutely not. See, the first one, you can be like, oh, I know everything about it. You can't even fake it when it comes to understanding everything. If you understood everything there was to understand about your spouse, you would never have a disagreement. You would never uh, have a place where, well, we're not sure what to do next. You wouldn't even have to, He wouldn't even have to ask you where do you want to go to dinner. He fully understands you. He understands your cravings and how you act when you're this way, so he's going to know exactly where to take you, right? Wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Communication stops when we think we have everything figured out in our marriage. And when you get married and you're like two years in and you're thinking, wow, this is so easy, man. You hear the people laughing at you, right? And that's exactly what they're doing, laughing at you if you're in that mindset of that that mentality. You have to understand that we are called and created for communication so that we can know and understand what's going on. The minute we stop communicating, this is the minute we stop learning and growing in our marriage. There's differences in communication between men and women. Now there's a response Did y'all know that men and women communicate differently? Good. I made a little list here. It's very little list. You can reprimand me later, but let's talk about men. How do men communicate stereotypically? Oh, hold on. I've got my list. Did y'all hear that? I threw out the question, David, about seven people. He don't do this. He don't say this. He needs to do that. I'm like, whoa, you can preach next week. Okay. (laughs) I'm going off my list. (laughs) That's idea sharing right there. That's good. <laughs> Men's form of communication, stereotyp- stereotypically, men speak less than women. Yeah, absolutely. For men, action is their language. Men are fixers. Yes. This is what that looks like. On a Tuesday, man gets home from work. He's sitting in his favorite seat, maybe a recliner or a spot on the couch or wherever. Maybe he's reading a little bit, something. The wife comes in. Hi, honey, how was your day? The wife responds with, yeah, it was a good day. Everything was going really well until I was riding home today, and this weird noise started happening. And I don't know, I don't know what it was, but every time I hit my brakes, this weird noise started happening. The man gets up and leaves. And the woman thinks, he asked i was trying to tell him about my day and he just walked right out of me so you decide to be mad the rest of the night what actually happened is the man got up and went outside to fix the car because a man doesn't want to sit here and listen to subtle hints about what what ruined what he heard was your day was ruined by a noise your car is making let's go fix the car and then your day will get better so he's out there trying to do what's right doesn't say a word just because of walks out the house. Do y'all see how communication is vital in that situation? This is exactly. Men are fixers. Action is their language. Men defer in their communication. They defer to logic. They like talking about logic. This is why men talk about stats related to sports. Because it's, it's fact related. They love talking about logic. Men communicate to achieve goals. information to inform me about something or I'm informing you about something. Easiest person in the world to text is another man. What time are we going to what place? 4.30 at the gas station. That's it, done. Everybody knows and we move forward. Text that to a lady. What time are we going to that place? Well, gosh, I just don't know. Because let me tell you about my plans for all day tomorrow, hour by hour. And then let me tell you about the last three experiences I had with that place. But not actually that place, but there was a place like that. Different communication styles. So let's talk about you ladies. Ladies, this is how you stereotypically communicate. You speak more. It's actually been proven that women speak about twice as many words as men do in a day. It's about Accurate. Women don't speak with action. Women typically speak with subtle hints and gestures. One of the first things I told my wife when we were dating was I said, I need you to understand, I am not smart. I am very slow in lots of areas in my life. And one of the areas I'm terrible at is picking up subtle hints. If you need something or if I'm doing something wrong, I need you to get the crayons out and spell it for me. Maybe even turn in some letters backwards so I can understand it. And of course, we were dating at the time, so it was, oh, you're so much smarter than that. Now she's got, where are the crayons? Like, she carries them in her purse. <laughs> like, literally, they're in her purse. She gets it now. So women want to communicate with subtle hints and gestures. Women want to communicate not their logic, but their feelings. God bless you. Women communicate, men communicate to achieve goals. Women communicate to share ideas or express themselves. Y'all understand, this is how God made us. Do not for one minute ever come to me and be like, I don't think God has a sense of humor. I'm telling you, this is the real deal so obviously with these radical different forms of communication when you take these two forms of communication and put them in steady contact with one another in a context of I don't know say a marriage there are conflicts that arise there are disagreements that are, there are struggles that in sh- that come out of that why because we were created differently and because we were created differently We're going to communicate differently. But understand this, if you go back to Genesis, you understand that when God created male and female, they were both shared in common in their creation, that they were created in what? The image of God. Now understand this, God's a pretty big God. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but as as Joe Shelton would say, he ain't too big. He ain't too big to be a personal God, but he's a really big God. So if God were to pour His whole image into man, A, we wouldn't exist because we couldn't handle it. So God poured parts of His image into man and equal parts of His image into woman. We were created differently, but we were created differently because we have different attributes of God poured into us to be made in His image, which is why I want us to look this morning in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, I... communication is about being honest, right? I made a mistake. Uh, my wife is always so diligent and, and awesome to make sure that she works on making sure the scriptures are typed up so we can have them on the screen in just a minute. I'm actually going to be reading from the New King James version today. Uh, on the screen will be the NIV, and whatever you have is, is perfectly fine, but I'm just letting you know what I'm going to be reading from will be a little different than what's on the screen, but it's all God's Word, okay? So just letting you know that. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, I want us to look at these first seven verses of this chapter and see what God has for us in the context of communication. So look at what Peter is writing here that God gives us in his word. Verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 3 says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste and conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine clothes. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. In this text, we see several ingredients for healthy communication. We're going to unpack that in just a minute. But I want to point back to how this passage is, again, pointing us to how your marriage is to reflect the gospel. It talks about here, first it addresses the wives. See, last week, the wives only got three verses addressing them and the men had eight. This week, it's six verses to the women and one to the men. This balances out in the long run. Anyway, we see here, it talks about that he's specifically, Peter's talking to a group of ladies that potentially have husbands that are not believers in Christ. And he's saying to them that when you live out your faith by loving your spouse as Christ loved the church, it's going to show them, it's going to demonstrate for them who God is and how God loves them. So again, this is pointing women to live out the gospel in their lives. It's talking about Sarah and Abraham, how Sarah was submissive to Abraham, calling him Lord. If you remember that in that story when Abraham came in to Sarah and said hey quick we've got company here I don't know these guys they just wandered up but I need you to to get busy putting a meal together and all the women said typical man just run in here and make me work in the kitchen but what do we see Abraham do right after he says hey will you start making up some bread and some of those hot cakes that I like what did he do he ran out to the back and he slaughtered one of the animals and he starts cooking the meal as well He's not going to ask her to do anything that he's not fixing to go do himself. This is a beautiful imagery of submission. Because wives want to submit to husbands who are already leading and doing it by example. That's what submission looks like. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want us to look at this idea of verse 1 when it says, Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Ladies and men, both of you, understand this. A lot of times when we hear the term submission in modern day context... We put it in the context as an abuse of power. This is why the word submission gets such a negative light in the secular world. When they point to scripture and be like, yeah, but the Bible wants women to be submissive. Yeah, it does. Because when the men do it the right way, the woman will want to be following and letting him lead her. It's biblical. It's the polar opposite. Their view is the polar opposite of what God intends for submission in marriage. Scott McKnight shares in his commentary about this text, he he tells about a conversation he had with a very intelligent biblical scholar. This is what he says. He said, A statement this scholar made illustrates beautifully submission in its greatest context. The scholar said this, I believe in a wife submitting to her husband, but I don't believe the husband ever has the right to demand it. In fact... I know that when I am worthy of submission, my wife submits. But when I am unworthy of it, she does not. My responsibility as a husband is to be worthy. That is the point. When a husband focuses on submission and the wife worries about it, the image of marriage is distorted. But when each focuses on the mutual responsibility to love and serve one another, the image of marriage is clear and beautiful. When Peter writes this, when he starts off, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. He understands that submission is the only way we define it is a way of meeting each other's needs. And if you need a further example of that, Ephesians five twenty-one that we looked at last week, that you were called to submit unto one another. Mutual submission is perfect in the context of communication. Because if we're all about meeting each other's needs, then we understand that in order to meet each other's needs through communication, then we have to start communicating in a way that meets their needs. This is how we serve one another. The reason that men and women have these different communication styles that we laugh about is because it's pretty accurate. We communicate so differently. And we continue to communicate that way because it's comfortable for us. Because it's easy for us. This is just who I am. But when we talk about a marriage context of communication and being submissive to one another, then we need to begin practicing the communication level that meets the needs of our spouse. Men, this is what that looks like. Open your mouth and share. Your wife needs you to speak to her. She needs to have conversation with you. And yeah, I know you don't like to talk and you're not a big words guy. But your wife needs you to share words with her. And I'm not talking about words from the video of these big poetic just talk to her. Men, you're Your wife needs to hear from you. It's important to her. So it's no longer about what makes you comfortable. It's about meeting her needs by being submissive to her. Wives, I'm just going to be honest with you. Men are not purveyors of information of their feelings. They're not. We're going to need you, if you're going to use communication to meet the needs of your husband, we're going to need you to be a little patient with us. We're not the best at sharing our feelings. But there is deep down inside of us a desire to communicate with you what's going on in our lives. Ladies, guys, cover your ears. Guys, cover your ears. You don't have to, but just pretend like you are. I'm fixing to give you a trade secret of men. I don't want guys to like get on to me later. La- ladies, remember this. As you communicate with your husband, and if that's a difficulty, understand this. I'm just going to give you a hint. When you're able to show your husband that he is more important than the information you're seeking, he'll share with you more information. When you can communicate your desire because of the value you place in him, not just what he has to say, there's more information that comes with it. Uh, Guys, I don't have the secret for ladies because I've never been one. Making sure you all know that. but, But there's reality in there. That as we communicate with each other, it's not about communicating levels of our comfort. It's communicating submissively that we meet each other's needs and what the other needs to hear from us. To be patient with one another. The second word I want to pull out of here that we see in verse 7 is this. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. And we talked about this, that the basic form, the reason we communicate is to know and to understand. And we see this here. Dwell with them with understanding. The, uh, the context of this word understanding, the word that it's pointing to here is, is telling husbands, and the same thing can be applied to wives as we mutually are submissive to one another, that in terms of understanding, what we are called to be is lifelong learners. When it uses the word understanding here, it says, be a lifelong learner. Husbands, be lifelong learners of your wives. Literally, that can be translated to this. What Peter is saying here is learn daily how to love them. Men, learn daily how to love your wives. And trust me, every day it's like a new wife to learn. My wife's amazing. She's so multifaceted and there's so many layers. There's so much more to learn and to love about her. That's what I mean. I don't know why y'all are talking like mood swings and like she comes in a different person. You never know. I'm not talking about that. I don't know what you're dealing with. Anybody got a uh, spare bedroom? <laughs> I got you, bro. 8.30. I'll be there tonight. It's good. But understand this. Understand that we're called to be lifelong learners of our spouse. That every day we should be seeking new ways to figure out a new way to love them every single day. Men, this idea of understanding. if Do you see your wife as a solved puzzle that's already been solved and there's just nothing new to figure out? Or do you really look at your wife and recognize and remember that she is just this, she's like a beautiful mystique that you have yet to even figure out fully who she is? Guys, when you start approaching and pursuing and communicating your wife like that, you're fixing to unlock something in your marriage that's never been there before. And ladies, are you rejecting this sermon because my simple-minded husband, that's certainly not him? Because if that's the case, then you quit trying to work on it a long time ago. Ladies, men were created in the image of God, and there is depth there. In terms of communication with them, grab a shovel and start digging and unlock the depths of the passion that creates your husband. Understand them. Find ways to be lifelong learners of your spouse. In communication... Third, I want you to see here is he references, um, honor the wife as to the weaker vessel. Now, again, in our current state of mind, that a lot of time the, the feminist movement and everything we're like, uh uh-uh, uh, women are just as strong as men and all these wonderful things. And we can talk about that and play games all, all day long. But I want us to understand what he's talking about here specifically. See, last week when we talked about marriage, it was from Paul's perspective. Paul was never married. This week's perspective is coming from Peter. Peter was married. All right. So Peter knew what to say and what not to say uh in terms so when he was doing this, he wasn't writing to offend his wife or anybody else's wife or anything else. He uses the phrase weaker vessel here because what he's pointing to is the picture of the wife being delicate and fragile, both physically and emotionally. And when he says that husbands recognize that your wife is the weaker vessel, what he's saying here is to not be overbearing, to not be demanding. So it might be so stomp your foot and point your finger and say, it's going to be this way. He's talking about here about bearing the burden. He's talking about here of the husbands that carry the load for their wives, talking about a weaker vessel. The image that's painted here is that the man is the larger vessel going before her and he's paving the road. And yeah, he's the first one seen he's the first one visible and he should be bigger and leading the way, but he's clearing out obstacles. He's making it easier for the weaker vessel that comes behind him to be walking and going through life without dealing with the burdens because he's clearing a path in her honor. Because you want to focus on weaker vessel, for you forget about what Paul lit, led up to the weaker vessel statement when he says this. He says, Honor your wives, give honor to her. He's describing a husband that goes before his wife to be the load bearer, to be the heavy burden carrier so she doesn't have to. This is how he honors her. Imagine like walking into a banquet room and there's this man walking out with his chest puffed up high and he's constantly saying, make way, my wife is coming behind me and she's the greatest thing that ever walked up in this room. Get out of the way and move the tables and chairs. I'm making a way for her to walk through easily and right behind her, right behind him is his wife saying, y'all see how good my husband is? Making sure that I don't have anything to block my path. Look how kind he is. Look how he's providing for me. You see how they're mutually pouring into one another. When he talks about being the weaker vessel, he's talking about how you honor them. You know, men men love to brag about their accomplishments. Now, you might be with a a, your spouse might be very humble and doesn't do a lot of bragging, but they're real proud of their accomplishments and they like to brag in the context uh, when they're around people they want to get attention from. So, husbands. Here's your homework assignment. I want you this week to brag to your wife about things you have done for her so she doesn't have to worry about it. But understand this, guys. Some of y'all are like, I'd do that already. Understand, this is that last phrase was kind of big there. When you brag to your wife about doing things that you've done for her so she doesn't have to do them for herself, this is not a way for you to brag, for you to figure out a way, well, it's time for your turn to pay me back. There's no scoreboard in marriage people when we serve one another, when we submit to one another, it's about how today can I serve and and, and minister to my wife or my husband in a greater way i was I was ministering and counseling with a a married couple a while back, both two highly, highly, highly competitive people, and they viewed their marriage as a competition that if if he's going to do this well i'm going to do this, and the fact that when when their spouse would serve them it would there would be flattered by it but they would almost get upset by it because it was like well now I've got to go do something better than that there's no scoreboard in marriage we're called to love and to serve one another for the sake of the gospel for the sake of God being edified in your marriage so that when we talk about men I want you to spend this week find a way that you brag about something you have done for her so she didn't have to do it for herself You're not drawing attention to yourself of how good you are. You're drawing to attention to be like, honey, I'm going to take care of it so you don't have to because I want you to spend your time doing something that you would rather be doing. I can handle that. I can go before you. I can clear the path. I can make it easier for you to do what you really want to do. My wife is a mom. My wife is a professional. My wife is awesome. If I can do one thing to take something off her plate so that she can do something she wants to do, that would go a very, very long way in her life. Women, does that sound similar? Women, would you be okay with your husband doing something and serving you in a way that would take something off your plate so that you can do something that you would like to do? Okay, there's two of you that would actually like that. (laughs) The rest of you are just hardworking women. Good job. Way to go. Men, when you serve your wife, do not hold it against her. Serve your wife so that she can be honored through your service. And ladies, what does this look like for you? What does this look like to be with the week of rest? It's exactly what we demonstrated here when the wife was coming in behind the husband. Women, wives, celebrate your husbands. It tells us in Ephesians 5, we talked about it last week, How wives are called to respect their husbands. You can do that by celebrating what they have done. You know, your husband works long hours, extra hours, to make sure that y'all can go on a vacation this summer. When he gets home, don't start berating him for the things that haven't gotten done around the house. You know why they haven't gotten done? Because he's working his tail off for you and the family. When he comes in, celebrate him. Thank you so much. I can't wait to go on vacation because what you're doing is sacrifice for us. You send him that text. Hey, honey. On your way home from work today... Can you stop by... Any man ever gotten that text? <laughs> Does that text usually include a list that's not that long? You know what? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Ladies, when your husband comes home because he went to the grocery store because you didn't get want to get out of your sweatpants, oh, I hit a nerve okay ladies instead of telling him where to put the groceries meet him at the door with a hug and a kiss carrying the bags for him and say, thank you so much for doing this so i didn't have to get out of my house celebrate him respect him let him be honored by how he is serving you and taking care of you and bearing the burden for you Honor him as he is honoring you, guys. This is what communication looks like. Stop taking each other for granted. It's not the I've got somebody in my life that I can go and send to do the things I don't want to do. Celebrate your spouse and honor your spouse by how you serve mutually one another. Look at the look at this last part we're looking at in verse seven. It says here that you are to be heirs. You are heirs together. Treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs together. Understand this, guys. Your lives were brought together through marriage vows. Very true. But you are united together through something far greater than words. You are united in Christ. You are co-heirs with Christ. And when you are heirs together in your marriage, you recognize that we have one goal because we have one destination because we have one Lord and one Savior. And in doing so, you should be cooperating together into growing in your relationship with Jesus. In a marriage that edifies Christ, you should be cooperating and growing together in your relationship with Christ. Because, let's be honest as Christian families, you're working together to create a godly marriage. You're working together to create a godly household. You're working together to create a godly home. You're working together to create a godly life. You have to work together. Do you know why? Because God brought you together because together you make each other better. And the people in your lives are better off when you work together when you communicate and work together men you must lead in helping your spouse grow in their faith and you must communicate how you would plan to do that you must communicate your desire and passion for that ladies you are to walk beside your husband and to give him healthy feedback as you grow together did you hear that word healthy feedback Don't berate him. Don't ride him into the ground. Don't point out all his failures and his past. Work together, growing in your relationship with Christ. Romans 14, 19 says this. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Married people, it's time to communicate in the context of your marriage. Stop trying to change your spouse. We already established that you're two different people created in two different ways I remember when I was getting married I heard this adage I heard this I wrote it down it says in marriage she marries him hoping he'll change he marries her hoping she stays the same they're both disappointed I heard that I heard, I was like wait what and then of course I said what well, all of you said well that's my marriage is totally different than that because we're all the exception right stop trying to change your spouse to communicate the way you want to communicate if you want to try to change your spouse start trying to change your spouse to look more like christ by how you're demonstrating that to your spouse take time in your marriage to get to know your spouse for who they are value the ways they're different from you because understand if god put them into your life and he poured his image into you and he poured his image into your spouse then that means when y'all come together y'all create a more beautiful visual image of god in your marriage and if you're trying to change your spouse to look more like you you're still only halfway there move forward in growing asking god to change you so that in your change and your transformation in the image of christ you're making more of your spouse and you're ministering to them in that way by submission, by honor, by being heirs together, by doing these things in your levels of communication. Yes, you are different people. Yes, you communicate differently. And you are designed that way to complement each other, not to destroy each other. It's time we communicate. This morning, we're going to conclude in a different way. Because if, if, if it is important enough for us to communicate in our marriages like this then the greatest thing we can communicate in our marriages is the word of God because all those sweet words that he was saying on that video those are really nice and really pretty and I did see some of the men like "Mm, writing that down but they're just words and they'll pass away as soon as they leave your lips but the word of God is eternal it will never fail So this morning, I might ask you to do something that's a little uncomfortable for you. And if you remember the early days of marriage, there was a lot of things really uncomfortable that you did in your marriage, but it made your marriage stronger. So today, I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little uncomfortable, but it's for the sake of growing your marriage. Nobody is demanded, this is just an option, but I encourage you and invite you to do this. In just a few minutes on the screen, there will be several passages of Scripture Before that happens, I'm going to ask our married couples to stand and to stand together. And then we're going to conclude our time together that as the Scriptures come up above the Scripture, there will be a word that says husband, or there will be a word that says wife. And if it says husband, then men, I'm asking you to read that passage of Scripture over your wife. And when it says wife, ladies, I'm asking you to read that passage of Scripture over your husband. But I want you to listen to the words that are being spoken to you. I want you to listen to the passages of Scripture that are being read. Because there might be elements of these passages of Scripture that hit a little too close to home because you're not currently practicing them or you're currently a victim of someone who's not practicing them. And maybe this will be God's way of convicting you to show you how you need to begin communication, a healthy form of communication in your marriage when we leave here today. But may this not be the only time that we stand and read Scripture over our spouse's that we trust the eternal word of God, that his word will transform and change us from the inside. And in doing so, will transform and change our marriage. And just to make sure that you understand what we're about to do, I'm going to invite my wife to come on up to the stage because I'm called to do this too as her husband. And yes, I did tell her this was going to happen beforehand. Unlike the rest of you. And I know some of you are here today and you don't have your spouse with you and that's okay. Maybe you just want to jot these passages of Scripture down that you can read these over her or him when you get home. But at this time, I'm going to ask our our married couples, husbands and wives, to stand together as we read Scripture over our spouses.